The Oxford Dictionary defines leadership as the action of leading a group of people or an organization. As we all know, that is a very simplistic definition for something as complex as leadership. Just about all of us have experienced both good leaders and bad leaders. Good leadership depends on a person's knowledge, traits, characteristics, and behavior. In this episode of the Latino Business Report, we take a closer look at leadership. Our guest today is Monica Guzman. Monica is a motivational speaker, leadership consultant, executive coach, personal branding expert, and author of the book, Stop Being a Lazy Leader. Welcome to the Latino Business Report. This podcast covers business, people, and issues of the day from a Latino perspective. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by Tamak, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. Tamak is the leading Hispanic business organization in Texas since 1975. Now for your host, J.R. Gonzalez. And welcome to another episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as I enjoyed doing it. I'm very excited today. We have a wonderful guest, one that I have been actually watching. Eh, I'm not going to say stalking, but watching for a couple of years now. Her name is Monica Guzman, motivational speaker, executive coach, leadership consultant, a personal branding expert, and an author. She first caught my attention when she put out a book called Stop Being a Lazy Leader. The title actually kind of caught my attention, so I said, I need to look this young lady up. Started looking her up. We started talking back and forth uh, via LinkedIn, which thank you, LinkedIn, really making some good connections. And um, we're here to talk about what she about her book and what she how she's turned motivational speaking into a business. Monica Guzman. Monica, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on the podcast. Let's get a little bit of background before uh, we get into it. Now, what type of look? I, I have to admit. For one so young, you're very knowledgeable. I mean, you've impressed me in your little um, video clips that you put on LinkedIn. Uh, I've read your book. In fact, I actually bought the book twice. You know why? Uh, Well, I was halfway through it, then I lost it. I left it on a plane. (laughs) So I had to go back and buy Uh it again (laughs) so I could finish Uh reading the book. But that's on me. You're welcome. But anyway, I bought your book twice. So... Um, how did you how did you get into this? I have a background in counseling psychology. I always loved this idea of understanding people, what makes people happy, what makes them feel fulfilled in this life. And throughout the years, I also found a passion for business. What makes a leader effective? You know, obviously, we spend so much time at work. And I want for that experience to be one that people enjoy. A lot of times we spend more time with our clients and our managers than we do at home or with our families. So I became almost addicted to the idea of helping people have a more pleasurable experience at work and helping these bosses, managers, supervisors make people's lives easier so that they want to come to work. And that developed into a passion for coaching, helping leaders be more productive and speaking and sharing this message of excellence around the country. Okay. So at what point did you determine you were going to to launch a business? This was about 10 or 15 years ago. I've been doing this for quite a while. 
honestly, I'm living my dream and I just hope that I can help my coaching clients do the same. Wow. Live, definitely, definitely living the dream. Now, you said something that it's very important is that you wanted to see how people can enjoy work. I mean, work is a four letter word for a lot of people. There's several types of people in the world. Some people uh, work to live. You know, I, I live to work. I've, I've always told people money should be a byproduct of doing what you enjoy doing. And I love what I do. Well, I don't enjoy it. I love it. And because of that, it doesn't seem like work. But that's not the case for everybody, is it? It's not the case. And I got to tell you, that is so sad to me. There is nothing more depressing than the idea of someone investing thousands and thousands of hours day in and day out doing something that they don't love. Now, let's be honest. You're not going to love every second of every day at work or with whatever you're doing with your life. But if you can say, you know what? I love it on most days. Then I think you're winning at life. Look, we have one shot at this life. Why not choose to do something that you enjoy on most days? If you're not doing that, then I just don't know what you're doing with your life. And that's exactly what you did, right? You had your passion, you had your 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 experience, your knowledge, and you combined it with your love for business. I would never do anything else. I, I refuse to live a life where I'm not happy and fulfilled. Now, I know a lot of people haven't found that thing that gives them that spark, but you know what? You should never stop looking for it. Just because you don't enjoy your work or your career or your business today doesn't mean that you can't choose something different for yourself tomorrow. When you say you shouldn't stop looking, your age really doesn't matter, does it? Of course not. I have coaching clients of all ages and backgrounds. One of my, I'll say, most seasoned coaching clients is 86 years old. I like that and choice. This seasoned. Person... Seasoned. Not mature. Seasoned. Not just seasoned. Okay. They're how old? 80... And, you know, she has decided that it's time to reinvent herself. So, no, at it's 80... never too At 86? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. All right. That's interesting. <laughs> So you range, okay, that's on your more seasoned end. How about your less seasoned? What are, what are some of your clients' age start out of what, what kind of profile of what they may look like? Sure. Most of my coaching clients are in mid to upper management, ranging from, I would say, ages 30 to maybe 50. Uh, but I have actually coached young people as well. I remember I worked with a young man who was at the time 17 years old. And he was determined and still is to become president of the United States one day. And so he, his mom hired me. She said he wants to work on his confidence, how he speaks, how he communicates, his messaging, even at that young age. And I can tell you wow. that now he's in college. He is pursuing his dream to work in the world of politics. And I'm so proud of him. That's an ambitious goal to be president of the United States. Oh, yes. That's the only way to do it. Okay, is he a Democrat or a Republican, or has he announced yet? Never mind. I don't. I don't need to know. I don't need to know. Just let the young man learn the hard way. Okay, so you have a wide you have a wide range of folks. Now, for some of the listeners out there, and for my own edification, what does an executive coach actually do? An executive coach helps you achieve your professional goals, typically centering around the soft skills communication skills, 
leadership skills, helping you to be as effective as you can at work, building relationships with people, emotional intelligence. Those are just some of the areas that we focus on personal branding. It's really about not the technical side of things, right? It's Mm -hmm. about other things that can help you be successful. And executive coaching offers you an opportunity for someone else who, of course, has this experience to give you unbiased feedback on how you're coming across to people, whether your messaging is clear, whether your leadership style is effective or whether it needs some adjustments. It gives you what you can't give yourself. Okay. In your, in your book, you have um, um, some pages dedicated to word choices. I mean, words matter. Can you go into that a little bit? Listen, we don't have a lot of time in this world and in business to get our message across. They say that kids have a hard time paying attention. So do adults. We know that, right? Our minds go all over the place, which is why when we're selling ourselves, when we're selling an idea, when we're selling ourselves maybe in an interview or to our manager, we have to be very cognizant of the fact that we don't have a lot of time. We have to be super focused in our language when we are speaking. And that means getting rid of a lot of fluff, a lot of garbage, things like minimizers. Okay, give me an example of fluff and garbage. Filler words. Um, well, like, so I think that minimizing language, anything that downplays who you are. I sort of think that maybe we could, I kind of did this. No, you need to be assertive. Choose your words carefully. Okay. One that drives me crazy is people will talk though. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Exactly. Or, or it's a waste. Or do you see what I'm saying? Dude, you're talking. I'm not, you know, I'm not visualizing your words, but okay. So those are fillers. You're saying those are not good. Garbage, 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 garbage. People don't need to hear you getting yourself ready for your next thought out loud. And what leaders need to do, and anyone that has wants executive presence, you need to slow yourself down. You need to be more intentional with what you're saying and how you're saying it. We tend to be pretty impulsive, but effective leaders, they know how to communicate clearly, and that's a part of it. Monica, in your book, Stop Being a Lazy Leader, you're it's a good book. It's concise. I really enjoyed it. But you're kind of brutal in some areas. I mean, you're just very direct. Absolutely. It's the only way to be. It's my approach with my coaching clients. When I am speaking to an audience, I tell them how it is because we don't have time to waste. We don't have time to lose. And so we need to make sure that when we're sending this message of, achieving excellence, we're being as straightforward as possible. There's just no time to waste. And I think my clients appreciate that. You know, I'm not telling these leaders, these CEOs, these directors, these managers what they want to hear necessarily, you know, and I always tell them, I'm going to give you what you need and tell you like it is, but I'll still be your biggest cheerleader at the end of the day. When I was reading the forward of your book, you're, you're describing employees 
about some of the issues we all have with employees. Well, maybe and it's not them. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're just being a lazy leader and it's all your fault that your employees are messing up this way. And I go, okay, this is a different approach. So it, uh, it caused me to keep, just keep reading. Leadership, I always said, is like, it's like parenting in a way, if you think about it, because the, the, it's a privilege to be a leader, just like it's a privilege, I believe, to be a parent. When you are in that kind of position, you need to understand that everything comes back to you. It all falls on you. So if there's something going on with your team where productivity is going down, morale is down, it's in most cases about you and your leadership style or the lack of effort that you might be putting in because they're looking to you. You are guiding them. You are the model for for them in terms of whether they should be excited about the work that they're doing. Are you disciplined? No, but you expect them to be disciplined. Are you going above and beyond? No, but yet you expect the best from them. It doesn't make sense. They're looking to you every single day. So we have to let people know that it's time to take responsibility. You know, it's so, so you easy are, to blame other people. You are literally their leaders and you need to lead by example. I mean, don't expect exactly. things from your employees if you're not willing to do it yourself. I put it all over the book. It starts with you. Now, you also have some interesting things in the book talking about um, how do you measure success? How do you measure things? I think that's important not only for the individual, whether you're an employee, a future leader, or you're currently in a, uh, a business owner or managerial or boss leadership uh, situation. That's important, measurement. Can you go into that a little bit for us? We first have to understand that when we're measuring, first, let's measure success, okay? Some leaders don't even get that far. It's measure. It has to be measured. Second of all, this should start with a conversation between you and the employee. You're not measuring success only based on what you as the leader see to be important. This is a collaboration, a collaborative effort between you and the other person. I always recommend that leaders sit with their employees and they have this open conversation. How would you measure your own success here? Put it on the employee. Let them start thinking. This is both of you have to be involved in this process. Get them thinking. You share with them what some of your ideas are. When we talk about measurable, we, measurable, we mean things that you can actually track and see. One example might be, I'm going to measure my success based on how many, uh, based on profit, maybe a profit margin or the number of positive um, evaluations from clients, whatever it is, it should be something that you can count, right? Okay. And lazy leaders, what they do is they use very vague language. You're doing a good job or we like you. Subjectivity, there's no room here for subjectivity. And if you and your employee can sit down and really invest time in determining the language that would be appropriate here, not only will they be more successful, but your department will be more successful, the company will be more successful um, because you're not using vague language. You're not saying great job, it's why. Using numbers, using specific language where you can say, oh, I achieved this. So you're basically saying that the success of whatever it is you're doing, whether it be a business, how many people you get to an event or uh, how profitable you are, a lot of that is on the shoulders of the leaders. 
And if they're not leading and communicating what the expectations clearly, then if there's a failure or a shortcoming, well, at the end of the day, you got to blame the leader, don't you? You have to blame the leader. Now, I would say it's mostly on the leader, but this should definitely be a collaborative effort. We should never ignore our biggest investor, the employee, right? And so a lot of conversations have to be taking place here. This is a back and forth situation. It's not the, the leader saying, this is how we're going to measure your success. Okay, the leader has their ideas, which is great. They come from a place of experience, hopefully. Mm -hmm. But what about the employee? They also have experience. They also have their own mind. They have ideas. That's part of empowering the employee. This should be a collaborative effort guided by, facilitated by the leader. Okay, so two-way communication, collaborative effort. The leader sets the expectations, leads by example, gives some guidance, and the employee has a responsibility to actually speak up and be a voice as well in a collaborative effort to try to accomplish that goal, which kind of leads me into something else that you had in your book. Um, we know the important, you talked about the importance of being um, clear and speaking up, but how about apologizing? Are you referring to the leader apologizing or the employee? The employee. Apologizing when we make a big mistake that has impacted others or has impacted the business is a sign of strength. However, we have a tendency to over apologize. And this is something that professionals should work on. Leaders should work on, you know, an apology can be a beautiful thing. Leaders need to apologize when they make a mistake. It shows vulnerability. It shows strength and great leadership. Uh, when it comes to professionals, I tell them, you know, don't over apologize. Anytime I talk about effective communication, I say, even if you made a mistake, be clear, be concise, but most importantly, and this goes for leaders and the people they lead, most importantly, take care of the problem, change the behavior, fix the number, whatever it is that needs to be fixed, right? But do it in a way that's very genuine, do it only when it is needed and follow up with action. And also, if a employee is unclear about the directions that they're getting, they shouldn't hesitate to ask questions. You know, they shouldn't, but I have seen so many situations where there's a toxic workplace culture and the person is afraid to ask for clarity or to ask for feedback. And that's very real. I, I want to acknowledge that. Now, at a certain point, in some cases, you may have to either go to a different department, maybe even abandon ship with your employer. But as much as possible, I always encourage people to exactly to go and talk to your manager, open communication. In most cases, your leader will be or at least should be open to providing you with feedback. It's better than making an assumption and then you make a big mistake that could cost the company money, time, resources. Okay. In your book, Stop Being a Lazy Leader, you have, um, it's actually 102 pages. In those 102 pages, it's filled with a lot of great information. We don't have time to go over it all, but is there anything particular that you'd like to highlight out of that? I, I want people to understand, as I stated earlier, that it's a privilege to be a leader. Sometimes people fall into a manager position, not realizing 
the huge responsibility that comes with it. Maybe they accepted the position because it's more money, a higher salary, prestige, power. But humility is so important. Just as we must realize that being a parent is so impactful, so is being a leader. And so we have to take it seriously. We have to invest in ourselves. We have to invest in our people. If we don't see it as an investment, we just go in, go into work day in and day out, focusing only on the technical side of things, the business, then we're missing out. This is about the human experience. Humans will perform better when they feel supported, when they feel that you have their back, when you're honest with them, when you have knowledge to share with them. Every leader needs a leadership brand, meaning they have to know how they want their employees to see them. Honest, subject matter expert, leader, whatever those words are, you have to, as a leader, embody them every day. When I'm working with my coaching clients, I ask them every time we have a session, okay, you have your leadership brand, you have your words, how have you embodied them with your clients, with your employees since we last spoke? You can't just say, I want my people to see me as someone they can trust, but then you're not thinking about how you're making that happen. What have you done? They have to earn that trust. Right, you have to earn it. And I would imagine that if if a person wants to have a certain brand or be known as a certain type of leader, they have to also demonstrate consistency. I love that word. Consistency is so important. You can't be on point today with your performance, but then next week you're off. I always say your personal brand is never off. Your leadership brand is never off. Sorry, folks, if you don't like it, then step back down to the position you were in before. Maybe this wasn't for you. Okay. So consistency is definitely uh, important when it comes to the leadership role. Now, there's a lot of leaders that out there that are constantly given to themselves. But for a person to actually give themselves, you write in your book, you need to be able to take care of yourself. Do you want to expand on that? Leadership is not for the weak. Oftentimes, leadership can feel very lonely. And because of that, if you are a good leader, you're probably tired. You're exhausted at the end of the day because it's it's something that requires a lot of mental strength, emotional strength, psychological strength. You should be exhausted at the end of the day, but in a good way, a way that makes you feel energized, inspired, motivated, etc., You must take care of yourself. No one else is going to do it for you. And so if you want to be the best leader you can be and represent your company well and really increase people's performance and get these amazing results out of people, you have to make sure that you are okay. There's no such thing as I'll just work myself to exhaustion. No, you can work your ass off but still take care of yourself. And this could mean five minutes of deep breathing between meetings. This could mean cooking yourself a nice dinner on the weekend or going to the gym. It doesn't require a lot of time. I had a client tell me, I don't have time. I have back-to-back meetings. But yet, okay, I see in your calendar, you have at least two 10-minute breaks where you could simply breathe, pick up some weights, stretch, drink more water, right? So even if you have to be creative, you can take better care of yourself 
You have to. If you don't, your employees will suffer. The business will suffer. And you're not going to be at your best, and you won't be. Your performance will not be at its best. Another difficulty that uh, a lot of leaders have, Monica, and I, I feel in, I fall into that category as well, is how do they keep themselves motivated? It's not easy. Effective leaders are very strong mentally. They have a winning mindset, which means that when their energy starts to drop, they know how to pick themselves up. Leaders are really resilient and they know that when those moments start to come, they not only notice them because they also happen to be emotionally intelligent, but when they detect that those moments are coming up for them, they know how to get themselves back up. Whether it means, hey, I need to take a day off or I need to take the afternoon off or real, I'm not taking care of myself or it might be a matter of focusing on the goal again. I forgot why we're doing this. The bigger purpose, we require awareness and we also require mental strength. Now. It's okay, right? A lot of leaders get burned out. It's okay to have a temporary moment, a moment where you feel weak or tired. That just makes you human. Leaders are still human. But effective leaders, it doesn't they don't stay down very long. They get back up just like they would expect their employees, their team members to get back up. Oh, wow, I'm feeling this. I noticed this. Let me breathe. Let me drink some more water. Let me remember why we're doing this. Let me take the day off. Whatever it takes to get that motivation back inside of them. Well, good advice, but that is a tough, tough sometimes to do, especially, especially for those leaders who focus so much on taking care of their people and getting the job done. And that is, that is true. Often leaders forget about taking care of themselves. So that's an important factor that you have in your book. I think that is that is a good tip. Um, Monica, where, where can somebody find your book? You can find my book, Stop Being a Lazy Leader, on Amazon. You can also find it online uh, in Barnes & Noble, either one of those. And for that person who found the book on the Southwest Airline flight, uh, you're welcome. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> and enjoy <laughs> Monica, you end your book, um, and I, I found it uh, very interesting. You ended with a quote. Good is not good enough. Be excellent. I like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we tend to accept mediocrity in our life way too easily. And whether it's leadership or professional excellence or your own emotional well-being, to be successful, you have to push yourself. No one is going to do it for you. So you have to understand what we're hoping for here. We're going for excellent. We're going for the best that we can possibly bring out of ourselves. It's not about accepting what is. It's about waking up every single day and saying, how can I get better? How can my business get better? Better and better every single day. Because once we say oh, this is good enough. That's good enough. They're good enough. This will be fine. I mean, this is all language that will keep you where you are. Change your language, change your mindset to demand the absolute best 
for yourself and everyone around you. Great advice. Monica, thank you so very much, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you've been listening to the Latino Business Report. My name is J.R. Gonzalez, your host. Our guest today has been uh, Monica Guzman, the author uh, of Stop Being a Lazy Leader. And also, she is a top motivational speaker, executive coach, leadership consultant, and personal branding expert. Very impressive. A woman who has gotten a, a passion of helping other people and turned it into a successful business. So kudos, uh, Monica. Uh, what's next for you? My next book will be out in just a few months, and I'm really, really excited about it. It's called Fearless by Choice, and it's all about how you can get rid of fear in your life so that you can live the absolute best version of the life that you want for yourself. I look forward to that. In fact, I, I'm going to make this commitment to you when that book comes out. Let me know. I'll get a copy. I'll read it. And we'll have you back on the podcast. And we'll be talking about that one as well. Fair enough? I would love it. It would be an honor. All right. Thanks again, ladies and gentlemen. If you like what you've heard, give us a like. You can follow us on um, any place where you uh, listen to podcasts. We also have a website, which is latinobusinessreport.com. And, of course, you can also go to YouTube, where we have our entire library also there by the same name. All right. Till next time, go out there and remember... Good is not good enough. Be excellent. Have a great day.